Hey, it's Ale. I appreciate you listening to the show. We talk a lot about the one-page strategic plan. It's the fastest, most effective business plan that we've developed for our clients. I'm making the full toolkit available to you for free. You get a video course, workbook, and strategic plan template. Visit lawfirmsuccessgroup.com and click the Get My Business Plan button to get it at no charge. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Chris King, the owner of Status Flow. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here. Now, I know that you do peak performance coaching for businesses and individuals, but you have a different way of going through that peak performance and what it means to you. Tell us more about why peak is spelled P-I-Q-U-E on your website. That's a great question. People ask us if that's a typo. But the, the thing is that the way that we do this work, it's very disruptive to, to the ego, to the pattern constructs that we have. And so it's very uncomfortable work. So while we are in the, in the world of peak PEAK performance, the way that we get there is very disruptive and very uncomfortable. And so our, our idea is we're going to get you out of your comfort zone, give, make it just comfortable enough because that's where the growth and the magic happens. And why would an attorney be interested in getting that uncomfortable? <laughs> that's a really good question. What if I told you that I could make you anywhere from 700 to 3000% more creative? more innovative, that I could make you that much better as a lawyer and see the things that even opposing counsel might be doing with greater effectiveness, greater efficiency, and be able to to navigate those situations even faster. That would be great. Probably the first question I would ask is how would you actually measure that? How do you know that that's the benefit that you get? Well, it's one of them. I I guess I'll explain this a little bit through this lens is that there's, there's a difference between what peak performance is and what peak performance does. What peak performance does is that it makes you more creative. It makes you more innovative. It makes you less stressed out. It makes you more effective. What peak performance is, is getting your psychology and your physiology to work for you instead of against you. It's all about leverage. We don't, you know, a lot of other coaching organizations uh, will look through the lens of efficiency or productivity. We look through the lens of leverage, input to output ratio. How do I get a whole lot more using a whole lot less? And, and tell me more about that. Is that when you're talking about a whole lot more out of a whole lot less and inputs and outputs, is that focused on the person or the organization? You know, what is the subject that you use for that? Well, it's, it's both. I mean, the, when we think about like speed, for example, when people think of speed, they think of like horsepower, you know, adding, adding more, more energy to something. But speed is also a function of weight and friction. So if you can reduce weight and reduce friction, that is also going to make you faster. Now, I can reduce friction in relationships by changing how somebody asks a question. And, and lawyers understand this. Words are everything, right? So my favorite example, let's, let's say you're five minutes late for a meeting, right? Most people are going to walk into that room and they're going to say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I was five minutes late. Well, that's great, but there's a better way to do this. You can walk into that room being five minutes late and say, hey, thank you so much for waiting. I really appreciate that. What happens in the brain from a, from a physiological standpoint is that there's a different neurochemical kind of c- cocktail, we'll call it, that happens. 
And there's a difference between I'm sorry about and thank you for. And so people hear this differently. It, it resonates in your own mind differently. It creates a different neurochemical reaction in both people. And this removes friction from that conversation. The reason this is important is that basic neuroscience, feelings drive actions. So you say something, a feeling is created, and then the feelings uh, drive the actions. And so if you say something different, you're going to create a different feeling state, which is going to drive a different action. So there's no good or bad here. It's simply aligned or misaligned with the outcomes that you're looking for. And there's a faster, more effective, uh, more efficient way to do this with less friction. And I can hear the difference in that example you just raised, right? Walking in and saying, you know, sorry, I'm late. Me being in that room might create some negative feelings in me. But if someone walks in and says, thank you for waiting, you know, there, there's no negative energy that's being created there. I'm cool with it. Right. They, <laughs> they almost like on. you more for being late, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and there's, a, there's another thing too, is that, and lawyers get this, people are dysfunctionally programmable through language. So the more you say you're sorry, the more I start to think you have something to be sorry for. And I start discounting your credibility a little bit. And the weird thing is that I don't even know this is happening. So by removing that constant, this is kind of like neuro-linguistic programming, like kind of like Tony Robbins sort of woo-woo stuff. But there, there is that pattern. The more you say this, the more people start to accept it as reality. And so you can affect how somebody thinks in their reality about with a simple change in, in the way something is phrased. That is so powerful, Chris. And I can now start to see how this could apply to interactions in law firms and how it could actually help with the culture of law firms, which at times, and attorney entrepreneurs that are listening know this, uh, can be less than ideal, to put it mildly. And so, Chris, tell, tell us a little bit, maybe take one example uh, of a time when you've worked with a law firm. What was their problem? you know, what, that they hired you for, what did you do with them? And then what was the result? Yeah, we got hired to come in and do a 12-week program for a law firm with 10 partners. I think there were about 15 associates and there was, there was a real class structure there. There was the partners and the associates, first class and, and second class kind of thing. And there was a ton of friction and the partners were under the impression like, this is the most amazing place you know, to work, the, the associates are so lucky. And the associates were like, this place is a nightmare. I can't wait to get out of here and be somewhere else. And the associates were literally afraid of the partners. They were afraid to have conversations, to bring the partners things. Now, if you don't have enough psychological safety to where your associate can come and talk to you, something's going to get missed. You know, and so this creates a lot of friction. And again, there's a feeling state present, feelings drive actions, right? So by, we went in for 12 weeks, we did some basic skills-based training. And, and we also work with some of the partners on how do we have, create a safer environment so that the associates will be more open, more willing to receive feedback, that we can get everybody on the same page and moving along a lot faster without all the grind and the friction of I'm afraid of this or I did something wrong. And so that's what we did. And it was, it was fantastic. I love that approach. And I want to dig a little bit deeper on that because you know I, I've seen this in work with my clients where mm -hmm. to an outside observer, we may be aware that it looks like there's a cultural problem here. It looks like the culture might be toxic. And we can see that because it's hard to find associates. And if the associates join, mm -hmm. they generally don't stay very long. And so the partners right. are constantly frustrated, but they don't know what's wrong. But when we come in with our outside lens, it's blindingly obvious to us. And luckily for me in, in a business coaching capacity, I can tell them straight and go, look, here's what I think the problem is. And you need to hire Chris or someone else to come in and take care of that. 
How, you know, tell me about the early uh, start of the engagement, who brought you in, what did they bring you in for? And then how did you uncover this issue, this class structure, and then facilitate this open communication between associates who may have been, you know, scared to death and partners who may not have even known that there was a problem? Yeah, that's a great question. And and the law is a particularly difficult area uh, to work in in this capacity because the way the law is set up as an industry is really diametrically opposed to the kinds of things that we do. So, you know, the way that lawyers are trained in being risk adverse and shutting doors and keeping everything tight really has a profound effect on neurochemistry and problem solving capability and create and creative thinking. And so so we might get called and we got called in once for you know what what I'll call an, an employee retention issue. But as you know, re- employee retention problem isn't the problem. That's the result of the problem. And yeah. so it requires an openness on the part of the partners, on the on the part of the people that are that are steering the ship. Like what can we do to make things better for the associates so that we can get more out of them. You know, the, in, in the law, it, it, because time is such a precious commodity and, and it is a billable hours kind of situation, it, and it's dangerous to say, well, I, you know, I can, I can make it so you work less and then there's less billable hours, less money, right? But, but let's make it so that the hours that we are billing run a lot smoother. There, there are a lot less, uh, there's a lot less friction in there because as you know, and any lawyer knows, time kills deals. And, and I will also tell you that money and success love speed. So the faster you go, the easier this gets. I love that point. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting about that is if an attorney is able to move fast, to move through their day with less friction, they're going to be less fatigued at the end of the day. And, and Chris, as you know, mental health and, and is such a challenge in the legal profession there's so many attorneys that work so many hours, they're burned out, they're working all hours of the day, they're working on weekends, they're working on vacations, right? It's so hard for them to move the ball forward. And that was before COVID hit. Now, you know, now that we've been dealing with this for a year and a half, it's August, 2021, it just makes it that much more harder and that much more mentally challenging. So I can see where injecting that sense of things are able to move forward fast, relatively effortlessly, much easier, would take a lot less energy on the part of the attorney. It, it is all about energy. You know, I'm, I'm in a couple of different businesses. I'm in the resource management business, right? And, and energy, your time, space in your head, your, your emotional state, all of these are resources, just like money or anything else, right? How do we maximize, leverage all of these resources? And if I can get you less stressed out, I'm going to have a profound effect on your neurochemistry. I'm literally going to change how your neurophysiology works, which changes how your brain works, which means at the end of the day, when you go home, you're going to have more energy. You're going to, you're going to enjoy spending time with the kids instead of like, oh God, just leave me alone. I want to numb out and have a drink or watch some garbage TV or whatever it is, but we can improve the quality of life. You know, you could literally have the one law firm in town that improves the quality of life for the partners and for the associates and for everybody that works there. And everybody else is going to wonder, what in God's name are they doing at that place that makes it so great? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds amazing. And so uh, you went through this 12-week program with this law firm. Tell us a little bit about how you worked with them and and the things that you covered. The... 
with a 12 week program, now for this one, it was, it was really little more than skills-based training. And what I like to kind of warn people about, I say, look, first of all, the skills are perishable, use them or lose them, right? They will go away over time. If you don't practice this stuff in order to create a real sustainable change, it does require about a six month engagement because everybody has an operating system in their head, right? Just like a phone or a computer has an operating system. So does a person, we call it a belief system. And that system has been running since the individual was about six years old, and they are the architect of that system. Well, we can hack and recode that system. It's just going to take more time than 12 weeks. So while the skills are great, you need to understand the the why and the how they work because tools, skills, they're, they're like advice. It belongs to the person who has it. So if I can say, look, here's the, here's the skill and here is the psychology behind it. Here's the neuroscience behind it. Now you understand what that skill is and how it works. You understand what the point of that skill is. You can create one of your own that does the same thing. And that's the one that you're going to use. So, so it's a very, like I said, it's a very organic kind of engagement. What does this firm need and what are the tools that we can co-create together to get them there? And then how do we make sure that they are practicing this so that it's a sustainable change you know, within six months? I love that. And just building on that, when things are working well, you know, when someone has really got their brain chemistry is working well, they're doing the right things, they're moving forward quickly. Some people might call that the zone, I guess. How, how can someone tell when they're in that situation? You know, that's a great question. And that's exactly why the, my organization is, is called status flow, because what, what being in the zone is, is this thing that we call flow. We've been studying this pretty intensely since the 60s and 70s. The, the, the sort of grandfather of flow is a guy by the name of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. He wrote a book called Flow. And this has its roots in positive psychology. It goes back to Maslow. It goes back to William James, right? My, my favorite example of this, and, and lawyers totally get this, it's when you sat down to work on a case, or maybe even when you were in law school or something, working on a paper, and you got really focused, and everything got really quiet, and it felt like as you worked on it, you know, maybe half an hour went by. And when you looked up, three hours had passed, and you had this amazing piece of work product in front of you. That is a low-level flow state. Well, what if we create, what if we could create that across your team with an incredible amount of frequency? This is the kind of behavioral stuff that we're doing so that we create these kinds of outcomes. We can get your team in the zone by training for it because you don't have to be an athlete to get in the zone. You can be a plumber, you can be a lawyer, you can be an architect, anybody can get in the zone. So for you know the attorney entrepreneurs that are listening to this call, I know you said that the law doesn't really, really lend itself to getting into the zone, but what are you know, your top three you know, tips that you could give to them for things that they could do to get into the zone more often? Well, there, there are, there's what we call flow triggers, and there are 22 of them that we know of right now. And I'll tell you where, the, where lawyers get jammed up is, is number one, in the way they're trained and kind of the way the law is, it's here's all the reasons it can't be done. That's a problem because what we're looking for are, well, what can be done? What, what are we trying to achieve here? And what might be a way to get us there, right? Instead of closing things down, here's all the reasons it can't be done. Again, that has a neurochemical kind of cocktail in there. If we can move into a a different area of possibility as opposed to confinement or restriction, it opens up the doors to creativity. So even without making any commitments, like, okay, let's, let's play in what I like to call banana world, a world that doesn't exist and possibility, you know, actions that you would never actually take. 
what might be a way to make this outcome happen? I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. It was really funny. I was working with a, a client and she was in a particularly sticky situation that she really felt trapped in. I can't do this and I can't do that. It can't be done this way, that way. And I told her, look, without giving me any actual real world solution, give me a ridiculous one where you would no longer be in this situation anymore. And she said, well, I could, I could fake my death and move to Costa Rica. Yes, true. <laughs> you if got you were one. Fake, you got one. If you were to fake your death and move to Costa Rica, you would no longer be in this situation. True. Now, what happens is the ridiculousness of that is kind of funny. It creates, uh, it creates a dopamine hit. Okay. Dopamine is one of the chemicals in the brain. It's a pleasure chemical. It feels really good. It's a focusing chemical. It makes you pay attention and it creates a positive reward feedback loop. This opens up the creative centers of the brain. And the more you play around in these ridiculous areas, what happens is the suggestions that you start to come up with begin to have viable elements. And this is how we start to make change. That is so true. In fact, a client I started with about, about three weeks ago, we were having our, our first session and we do something called the one-page strategic plan. And they were trying to figure out the vision for their firm. And there were, there's these two partners and they kept on, and I see this all the time with my clients, they kept on lim, number one, limiting what was possible and what they wanted. So they were saying things like, oh, I only want to make, I think it was like 300K in income. You know, I don't want to make more <laughs> than that. And I, I only want to take two weeks off a year because now I won't be able to take more than that. And I said, okay, well, look, let's just take the, the constraints off for a second and just dream with me a little bit because this is your vision. May never come to pass. That's why it's a vision. But if you could just wave a magic wand, what would be your ideal income and what would be the amount of time you want to take off? And one of the partners said, I would ideally like to make a million dollars and I would ideally like to take three or four weeks off every year. The other partner said, you know, 500K would be great. I don't really want more than that. And I want to take six weeks off a year. So boom, we got them to figure out what it is that they really wanted. And I, and I want to, where I left it with them is we're going to use that as the vision because it's powerful, it's inspiring, and it gives them the, the emotional capability to make difficult changes because when they're going through a transformation, like you take them through, Chris, it takes months. It's hard. Change is mm -hmm. hard. Change is harder as you get older. And so having something really powerful to motivate you can pull you through. Sorry for the, the digression there. And that just was great. Off, but it was, it, was a, it was a great experience and it relates exactly to what you talk about. So I love that. So Chris, you clearly know your stuff. <laughs> How did you get into this? How did you learn all about this? Yeah. That, well, it started when I was a kid. I mean, look, I'll, I'll just tell you, I, I grew up, my, my oldest sister died when she was 11 years old. And I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a house of grief and rage and abuse and addiction. And as I grew up and became an adult, I built my life on grief and rage and abuse and addiction. And as you can imagine, that doesn't work long-term. And eventually I got to a point after two divorces and, you know, I said, well, what does all of the drama and trauma in my life, what does it all have in common? Me, right? And so I, I started doing the deep work on myself. And, you know, and then I started studying this, this stuff called flow. I, I did a master's program in spiritual psychology. I worked in the Neuroscience Institute of a hospital for, for a while. I started training and collaborating with organizations like the Flow Research Collective and Flow Genome Project. I trained with Navy SEALs. And, and I kind of put it all together 
to, to create this. And, and as a kid, I was an athlete. I was, I was actually a trained race car driver. I was, I was an ice hockey player. I was a, a BMX kid, skateboarder. So I understood what the zone was, but then I had all this science background behind my personal experience. And I said, well, look, I've reinvented my reality. I've completely changed my existence on this planet because I went from being a six-figure marketing career guy to being a radio DJ, which is completely impossible. And, <laughs> and you go from you know making six figures to making $12 an hour. It's like, how am I going to survive on this, right? You get real good at resource management. And so, <laughs> so it just became this thing where don't, don't tell me what's impossible, okay? I mean, I live in a town where people pay $25 for avocado toast. Do not tell me what your crazy idea cannot be done. Trust me, you can do it. Love that. Love that. And now that you've started working with clients, your business is really taking off. You have a lot going on. What is, you know, one of the issues, you know, because our clients work on issues all the time. What is one of the issues that you're working on in your business? You know, well, what I'm working on is scaling it. I mean, this is, this is, I'm, I'm sort of the overnight success that took a decade kind of thing, which I think is kind of how it goes <laughs> most of the time. And so what I'm, what I'm doing now is I have, I have a couple of coaches that work for me. How do I get my decade of training and, and practice in this practice, because coaching is a practice, just like the law. How do I get all of that? Plus my personal history and background, and how do I upload that into somebody else's brain so that they can do what I do, which is what I like to call playing jazz because our process is not a structured regimented thing where first you do this and first you do that. It's what I call playing jazz. There's no sheet music for this. There's a lot of an intuition involved. And so how do I get all of my experience playing jazz to this, you know, musician of a coach that is used to playing with sheet music. And, and so that's been the thing that I'm struggling with is how do I, you know, how do, how do I, do that, you know, much like in the law, when you bring somebody in, you've got, you know, 20 years experience as a litigator or something like that. And you have somebody coming in as a brand new partner. How do I give them that kind of jazz where they move on the fly and they know how to get from point A to point B with no roadmap. And so that's, that's one of the things that I'm working on right now. That is, it's, it's really refreshing, Chris, to hear you say that because we're both in the coaching business and we, we go about it with different outcomes and different, different methods. But you've acknowledged something that I've believed for a long time, which is that coaching is a craft and try as you might, if you need to scale up as a coach, you cannot simply just bring on random people and have them coach your clients. You also will really dilute the experience if you try and do things with like a, you know, an online course or a group mm -hmm. course or things like that for people to really get the authentic experience and to get the meaningful change they need to be working with those quality people uh, like yourself, you know, who can deliver the quality of services that you can deliver. And there's just no two ways about it. Yeah. Anna, who's one of the coaches that works for me, I've been, I've been training her for a year and only just recently is she now working with clients on her own and she's having fantastic success. So, so whatever I did seemed to work. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that we're doing, Chris, is I think we've got four coaches now on our team. I'm fortunate uh, in that I work with an organization called Focal Points. So they do business coaching worldwide. And mm -hmm. so all the coaches in our organization have been trained the same way. I've been trained. We all have similar backgrounds in corporate. None of us are lawyers, as it turns out. And so uh, we've all kind of grown up together, if you will, in the coaching space. And then so I was able to put together a training program for these coaches that allows them to get certified in the practice of 
you know, in the practice of coaching attorneys and small law firms. And then probably similar to you, we have an extensive process where I'm in touch with every single client all the time. And I found that all that work is paying off in client results. What's your experience been? Well, it's, I guess it's a little different. I, what happens with, with the coaches that work for me is I, I sort of become the, the coach's coach sort of thing. They'll come to me and I say, okay, where are we with this client? And uh, you know, coach will say, okay, well, this is going on and that's going on. I said, look, don't give me story. Just tell me where we are. And uh, because the, the coaching process is all confidential. So I don't, I don't want to know what's happening between Avi and his client. I don't want to know what's happening between you know, Anna and her clients. It's, it's tell me where we are. You know, okay, we're jammed up here. We got self-sabotage there. We got imposter syndrome here or whatever. It's like, okay, sounds like this is going on. And I, and I say, make sure we're doing this, make sure, watch out for that. And, and, you know, kind of guide them through the, the architecture of it. But, but they kind of, I, I, and that's why I said the, the playing jazz, right. I'm going to let them play the instruments. I'm, I'm just conducting the orchestra here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the approach we take is a little bit different from that, where every client gets me and they also work with a practice advisor. So we're pretty upfront with our clients. We just say, look, we take a team approach. Everyone's going to work with LA. Everyone's also going to work with other coaches and we work together and we do you know, share notes with the clients so that we can more effectively drive their results because sometimes you know, I'm the best fit for them. Sometimes they want to work with Julie or one of the other coaches. So that's interesting. You've got that, you've got that approach, but it sounds like you have a system in place now to start scaling up, which is, which is really awesome. And you're already doing it. So congratulations on your success. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We're really excited. It's going well. And so Chris, as you're thinking about the future for status flow, the future's bright. What are you most excited about? You know, I, I was given a unexpected opportunity to give back in a way that I, I never thought of and, and resisted for about a year, actually. We started getting phone calls from, from our clients that, say, that have such profound transformations and, and such a different experience in their, in their own lives that they started asking us, hey, can you, can you, does this work with kids, with teenagers? Can you, you know, I got a kid that's in college or getting out of college. And, you know, do you work with kids? I was like, well, not really, but I started thinking about it. And there's so, there's so many young adults out there with massive insecurity and they're just, they're so unsure of themselves and what are they going to do with their lives? The millennials uh, were a little different. They were a little more kind of charge out there. Whereas the centennials seem to be a little more fearful. I was speaking to a guy who works specifically with those age groups. And um, he says, yeah, they're really scared about like, you know, what am I going to do? And so we developed a program specifically for teens and young adults. It's oriented around uh, self-confidence, self-esteem, goal attainment, and failure to launch. And so, so, and we hired a coach. He's on staff. He's fantastic. And he works with them specifically. He also has a background in chemical dependency because sometimes there's, there's some of that present. And so, yeah, we're really excited about helping people get their kids off the payroll and give them a really solid foundation in life. And that, that feels really good. It felt really off brand at first. And now it feels really good. That's terrific, Chris. And it sounds like you're helping them, you know, maybe shape their reality. They don't really know what is possible and what is not. And so that's kind of nice. They don't have the decades of scars that, that you have to deal with, but they have other challenges. And congratulations to you and your team for helping them through that and in a really critical phase in their life. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's an exciting time. And um, you're also a published author, right? 
I am. I did write a book. Thank you. The, the book is called Renegotiate Your Existence, Unlock Your Impossible Life. And I know it sounds like a lot of woo-woo hippie stuff, but this is a science-backed approach. It does bring in some of the neuroscience that, that I've talked about here. But your reality is the end result of a system. And it's actually the end result of a feedback loop. And so if you understand how reality unfolds, you can hack that system and recode it to a completely new reality. And like I said, I know this because I've done it a couple of times. I, you know, I've done it in my career. I've done it in my personal life. You know, I'm, I'm with the woman of my dreams in a secure functioning relationship, which for two people like us is borderline impossible. So that <laughs> we are the poster children for secure functioning relationships. <laughs> but, but that's why I say, look, you can renegotiate your job. You can renegotiate your relationship. You can renegotiate your entire experience on this planet if you understand how to do it. And this is, this is the tool book. This is the guide to get people started. You know, that's so cool, Chris. And for those of you who are skeptical about that approach, let me tell you about the people who are not skeptical about that that approach. Uh, The people who are not skeptical are people like Chris, people like myself, and people like other people who have had it told to them that they can't do something, right? I was told that I couldn't launch my coaching business, that I was making a huge mistake in leaving corporate America. Then when I launched my corporate business, people told me I could never work with law firms because I'm not a lawyer. Uh, And then they said I could never take a month off um, because a coaching business can't survive taking a month off. Well, they were wrong about all of those things. And so when you talk to people that have done things that other people tell them are impossible to do, they are believers of this sort of thing. So Chris, thank you for sharing this with us today. And if people want to reach out and get your book, learn more about you and your firm, how can they best do that? My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Again, the book is titled Renegotiate Your Existence. It is on Amazon. You can look us up online. Our uh, website is statusflow.net. And uh, we're on Instagram as well, at the status flow. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn, Chris M. King. Thank you very much, Chris. Everyone, that is Chris M. King, the owner of Status Flow, where they make the impossible a reality through science. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. That's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, We would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.